You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in to David's Pick. And uh, as we started doing a few... About two months ago, I guess it was now. But as we started doing back then, uh, because of a good friend of mine <coughs> that was in Nam and had been given more than a fair share of Agent Orange and was having some uh, s- serious uh, surgery on, on one of our Thursdays. And I started that day by asking everyone to... Uh, that was listening to take a moment of silence and uh, say a little prayer for my friend. And uh, obviously it worked. Uh, He's doing fantastic, much better than expected. And uh, he's talking, and they figured it would be months before he'd be able to talk, but he's talking. And so I think it's only fit that our guest today... uh, is a chaplain and was a chaplain in the Air Force as well. And uh, we've got Pastor Mark Beatty on today visiting with us. And we, uh, uh, so I w- presumptuously, I asked Mark if he would mind just uh, starting the show with just a few moments of uh, what chaplains do best, and that's pray. And uh, I've got a chaplain's story as well. I know how powerful they are. So with that being said, here's Mark. All right. Thank you, David. And thank you for having me as a guest today, too. I appreciate the honor. Let us pray. Lord God, we give thanks for this day that you have made, that we rejoice in. I also give thanks for your love, for your freedom. I give thanks for all the veterans who have helped Give us this gift of freedom that you also so freely give to us. I pray especially now at this time for our nation. I pray for our world. I pray for all your children. I pray for all those who also need your healing touch at this point in time. And may your spirit touch each of us this day and bring us closer to you. In your most holy name I pray. Amen. Mark, thank you. So... Let's let's dive right into it. Uh, you're the senior pastor at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Marietta, Georgia, on Marietta Road. Yep. Great, and um, you also served as chaplain in uh, the Air Force. I was a chaplain candidate during seminary. Oh, okay. It's it a strange category, Category J reservist, but you got to uh, be fully commissioned. I was a second lieutenant and served with chaplains for. Um, for various temporary duties, and um, so served in several different Air Force bases while I was also in seminary, and was honored to be able to serve. Um, you know that's that's uh, very interesting. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, and I I don't think I've told this story maybe once or twice before, but when I was uh, on active duty uh, at uh, in AIT, finishing, I'd done my basic and was finishing uh, AIT with a week to go, uh, my hometown in uh, 1970 was hit by a really bad tornado. And, uh, you know, I, I we were coming back from, uh, we'd been on a... Uh, bivouac for uh, a week and uh, as we march back in and we march past the uh, uh, exchange px and uh, they had papers outside 
And the headline read, read uh, Texas town hit by tornado, yada, da, da, da. And I looked at it, and I, my goodness, that's my hometown, you know. <laughs> it's where I'm from. And it, it was uh, all of my... Uh, Infamous career in, on active duty was was really bizarre, sort of, in that uh, when I came back from basic and uh, was starting my AIT, you started with lunch, and as I was standing in formation waiting to go and get in the chow line, a guy walks by, an E6 walks by, and he was looking at our name tags, and uh, I looked at him and in the sort of shock, and uh, his name's Danny Nowak, and Danny and I had gone to high school together, wow. and he had gone to Benning to Shake and Bake School, and uh, was headed to Nam after he, he uh, did his his tour with us and uh, at Fort Ord, and uh, he was my. Uh, platoon sergeant so that was sort of strange and then uh, like i said I, I see that our danny's in my hometown had been hit by a tornado and so i went to um, my uh, uh, lieutenant and asked him what do i needed to do to get out a week early and uh, he said well you have to talk to the co so the co and i we never had any problems we just didn't always agree on things but anyway i went to him and he said you know no you got to finish out you only have a week to go that'll give you plenty of time to get home and stuff but um my dad uh had uh had a lot of damage at some of his warehouses and uh i don't know i figured i've done my thing and why do i need to stay one more week for really nothing for a graduation ceremony that doesn't mean a whole lot so anyway to make a long story short uh danny said why don't you go talk to the chaplain and i went and talked to the chaplain and in less than two hours i was on a plane headed back to lubbock texas (laughs) and uh, he uh he jumped over my uh, ceo he jumped over everything else and uh, it's amazing what chaplains can do in the military besides save lives and uh, and souls at the same time so i uh, i respect all chaplains no matter what service it is so with that thank you for coming in today and uh, we'll we'll talk about you know the duties of the chaplain and uh, how if, and i I have this thing about I love veterans, and uh, and I always make it perfectly clear they they have now labeled me and and the rest of the folks like me as Vietnam veteran era vets. So I'm a I'm a Vietnam era veteran, and uh, which means I didn't go to Nam. A lot of friends did, and a lot of uh, friends are on that wall at. Uh, john's creek the healing wall and uh, you're the chaplain of the john's creek veterans uh, vietnam veterans association right yes yeah, so for all veterans we actually have even world war ii vets too gulf war vets all, all veterans and of course anybody who served in any capacity and uh mike mazell is the executive director president and mm-hmm. uh he is a super super guy and uh i uh 
went to their, uh, they had a POW ceremony uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, POWMIA, and uh, I went to it, and uh, I don't know, I've, I've got it a lot of my friends, and uh, they're going to, one of these days they're going to march in on me here, but I still, and, and I think ever since I was a kid, uh get chill bumps when I watch a color guard and uh, I've gotten to the point now that not only do I watch but I also for lack of better words and maybe it's a wrong word but pay homage to our flag and and praise God that that I've been fortunate enough to be born and live in the United States, and I think we have the greatest country in the world. And and when our national anthem is played, and or the color guard goes by, I just, you know, we're very fortunate. And uh, I've had an extremely good life, great parents, and uh, you know it. Uh, we're just lucky to live here so what made you uh i've always wanted to ask and and i and maybe this is i don't know if it's the right time or wrong time but um you had a calling to go into the ministry and how did you decide that was what you wanted to do (laughs) how much time do we have Dave? (laughs) i'll try to give you kind of a shortened version i actually was um a pastor's kid a pk they might call us and also an mk i was a missionary kid so i was born in guyana south america Hmm. Uh, although i was born as an american citizen having american parents that was my first country of origin so i also know from personal experience and coming as a child uh, the differences from america and various other countries and the preciousness of our freedom. I, I love Guyana too. I love my experience there. Love my experience in the Lutheran Church in Guyana as well. Uh, but it's amazing how many how many things we take for granted that are incredible gifts that we have in America that we we shouldn't take for granted that are incredible blessings. Um, I actually wanted to maybe own a business or become a doctor when I was growing up. The last thing I wanted to do, I thought, was be a pastor. And one of the funniest things I still remember about, um, which is totally inapplicable today, it wouldn't even make a difference, but I remember asking my dad, and it was an important question to me as a child, because there were some... There were some people in our congregation asking, well, Mark, are you going to be a pastor like your dad? And every time I'd say no. (laughs) And I finally asked that. I said, Dad, here's my big theological question. If I were to become a pastor, would it be okay if I wore blue jeans? (laughs) And he said, no, son, you really need to wear some slacks. And I said, well, I'm not going to be a pastor. (laughs) And, of course, today, you know, it's a... It varies a lot. You have a, a lot of formal oh. service. You have very informal service and a lot more flexibility. So, you know, I um, grew up, uh, Sunday was, my parents made Sunday very special. We were Presbyterians, but uh, they made it special. And I think from almost the time I was born until I left the house, uh, on Sundays, that was a special day, and you did dress up. And uh, quite frankly, this is only my personal opinion, but uh, I like the formality, and I, I liked all the good-looking ladies that had pretty dresses on. And <laughs> back then, they wore hats, and uh, they had some beautiful hats, and uh, it was just I. 
it's not that you can't pray in a foxhole and most a lot of people get religion in a foxhole but at the same token uh, this has been a very I don't even want to use the word interesting it, it's been something we've had to accept obviously the tele-ministry that uh, everybody's gone, been going through since we couldn't meet at church and uh, with the pandemic and so forth mm-hmm. and uh, I a friend and I uh, talked about the fact that we'd still like our minister he's been doing his sermons pre-recorded sermons from his balcony or his back deck and uh, very informally dressed and uh, he could have been in church doing them just as easily and uh, and in robe and everything else and make you feel more like it was the service that we're missing but that's that's my i'm i'm old time right you know? well that's actually what we've done from the very beginning and for the same reason uh that you had mentioned david about that connection I think there were a lot of late-night show hosts who were doing things from their homes and casually dressed, and I think some people thought it would be cool to try to do a similar thing. Yeah. Uh, our thought was that people are used to worshiping in that sanctuary, and they miss being there, and they can't be together to begin with. So from the very beginning, we robed up, and we came into the sanctuary, and even though uh, it wasn't a live service, well, we recorded it actually live on Facebook. We figured out how to do that and, <laughs> and juggle because we weren't doing any uh, Facebook Live or, or YouTube kind of streaming services prior to that. But um, but we brought those live, um, the few worship leaders and the person doing the filming, uh, to the people in, in the place where they were used to having worship in the sanctuary. That's uh, good. That's the only great, thing we right. missed, though, is we couldn't have Holy Communion yeah. with them with that. But we were able to have all the other aspects of worship. So since uh, March, since the first Sunday that we were away from church, we've been uh, struggling through <laughs> and slowly learning how to better and better do live service that way for, for Facebook Live. We uh, we had our first drive-through communion uh, last Sunday, as a matter of fact, and uh, I had to laugh in that everybody has figured out how to make a buck out of the <laughs> pandemic. And so you drive through, and I understand a lot of Presbyterian churches are using the same thing. It's a little plastic cup that holds a wafer and then in the front of it is the uh, in our case grape juice and uh, so you you pull off the little cap and take out the wafer thing and and then uh, have your uh, your uh, liquid but who I, I applaud whoever came up with that idea and and nobody ever touches anything and and uh Everybody is, you know, into everybody else's safety, and I thought that was ingenious of whoever came up with that idea. And so we're now, that was the first communion we'd had in seven months, I guess, at at church, yeah. but it was in the parking lot, and we it was a drive-through thing. It's but, creative, but I hear from all those, and we haven't used that ourselves. We have actually still had communion with gloves and sanitation and all this, and from a distance, we've put the tray down and said the blood of Christ shed for you. We have gloves for receiving the, the bread when we have had communion in person. But the one thing I think the genius who, who developed this needs to do is have the packages that open better from what we've heard. <laughs> and it's hard to get into the elements that way. But, but yeah. uh, you know, it's... Uh, and I... You know, and people think I'm crazy when, uh, and as we talked on the phone, you know, I I am old school and and feel like everything is for a reason and a purpose. And one of the biggest things that I'm extremely 
think we're all blessed that uh, because of the pandemic, it's brought families together in many different ways, and it's forced families, mothers and fathers in many cases, to see what public schools or private schools are teaching their kids. And uh, even though you may have a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home father or whatever, and and before the pandemic they would go to school and participate and all this, but many of the parents didn't realize that our kids aren't getting history. And I personally think history is one of the most important things that kids can be taught, everything from the the Bible to history books to and so it's given the as I see the good out of the pandemic it's given families a unity that uh, a forced unity that they may not have they might not have ever had and uh, so I see it from that standpoint as a positive yeah actually I preached on that not too long ago about some value of history as um We've come to a place where so many people are throwing away history or just not having the same degree of respect for it or reinterpreting entire histories um, as if every single person is the expert on that. And it reminds me for for Lutheranism, too, of the Reformation that Martin Luther began to begin with. And we, we still celebrate Reformation Sundays each year as well in the Lutheran Church. But the way we talk about it is that we are reforming with ing not reformed so we don't just live in that history and keep turning back to the way things were we actually uh, essentially have one step one foot solid in that history and for us in the church we'd call it our salvation history for all the saints who have gone before us all the prophets when we look at christ when we look at um everything that's come up to this point and the value of the Holy Spirit that has worked through that Word of God both in Scripture and also in the lives of all the people who have come through and the very Son of God too being with us here on earth we have all that history and it's so rich and at the same time God is doing a new thing right here and right now this day and is continuing to be that creator God even in the midst of this so we also have one foot forward which is kind of what faith is all about right is is going into that new different time not knowing everything about what's going to happen but trusting that God is there so that's part of our walk to have that one foot solidly in, in history and one foot solidly forward and I think right now we're, we're losing that back foot a little bit and that's losing our foundation it's losing our grounding somewhat so we direct the show basically at military um, you were a chaplain in the Air Force and uh, I know when when I was on active duty, and um, we we generally had a, a priest as, but he practiced everything. He gave uh, uh, Jewish um, services. He he uh, gave um, uh, you know uh, not only Catholic but uh, Protestant services as well, and. Uh, how do you, how do you like, well, how do you learn or how do you go through the training to uh, be prepared to uh, comfort any and everybody, no matter what their religion is? 
I went through a chaplain school, an abbreviated version for that chaplain candidate program, and there were other chaplain candidates there, too, uh, from various faith backgrounds. And I remember one of the things we did, too, is we shared in the group. We, we did a lot of studying, but also shared some of our personal faith stories and from our denominations or from our backgrounds, too. And they told us to try to be as ecumenical as possible, to try to have as much uh, that you can see. Obviously, we have differences, but to, to look to as much as you possibly have in common. And they encouraged us for those things you do have common in common to be able to share. And that fit really well for our ELCA Lutheran uh, sense of philosophy, too. We're a very ecumenical congr- uh, denomination. But for those things that really go against your sense of conscience or that, that will not be in resonance with your faith, they said you absolutely do not ever need to perform a task that way. So uh, we had both to encourage to do all we can, but, um, but never to go against our conscience. So I, I loved that model mm-hmm. uh, in the Air Force and the military for that. That gave me the freedom to reach out to so many people, Christians and others. And I think there's so many things that we have uh, in common, too. Uh, as children of God together that we can share. But, you know, for instance, the only services I ever led were Christian services. I wasn't called to lead a, a different a service. I think an Islamic service would be a really tough thing for me <laughs> to try to pull off. And I don't think um, people from different faiths would want me to try to attempt that anyway, too. But, you know, I could minister to, I could be a chaplain out on the flight line to anyone, you know, including a, a Muslim, including a, someone who's Jewish, someone who's Christian, someone who's atheist and had no problem doing any of that. And I love that service, too. It's like a – it was a, just a, a little taste of Christendom, again, I guess. You know, now what they talk about sometimes, like, as if we're living in a post-Christian society um, where instead of the church being a center among other centers in the community, that it's more in the fringes now, again, um, as far as respect, as far as centrality in people's lives, you know, various things. But in the military, a chaplain had a core part – of that whole um, community. And even for those who weren't religious, there was respect for chaplains and appreciation for chaplains. We were seen as someone who would go to help and be there for the sake of that person, for the sake of the morale, for the sake of the unity, and would deal with various other issues too, alcoholism, you know, other struggles, um, uh, various home domestic issues as well. So you all you had those um, sergeants or those commanding officers who would really appreciate a chaplain coming in because when the chaplain would come in and deal with someone, the hope was that you get people back on board, you help lift them up. Uh, you, you're there for them in a way that helps them to function again. You know, uh, we've had a number of veterans on uh, men and women and uh one of my favorite was donna Rowe. i don't know if you know donna or not or and i want to mention too the fact that this is david's pick as far as the show goes but it's also a show of respect for a gentleman named rick white who is a retired colonel and uh, he's the uh, director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And uh, Rick is a wonderful, wonderful man and a wonderful Christian, I might add. But, um, you know, I was kidding Donna when she was in that uh, I asked her if uh, she considered herself hot lips. And, uh, you know, so many people... Everybody loved MASH and uh, the chaplain of Father uh, Mulcahy. Mulcahy. Uh-huh. And uh, everybody loved the chaplain. Everybody loved uh, Father McC- uh, McC- uh, Mulcahy. Mulcahy. <laughs> and 
and I think a lot of attitudes were formed about this is the way the military was, which in reality wasn't. But, uh, you know, I uh, said many times now that, uh, you know, I, I will be doing something and uh, maybe it's my age and I'm just getting old and have uh, Alzheimer's or whatever because you can remember the past. And But I'll, I'll think back and of something that we were doing and, you know, I'm, we're, I'm doing it and I'm just, why in the world do they have us doing this? This is the craziest thing I've ever, you know, this is stupid. And then you'll realize 70 years later that, uh, you know, Everything in the military has a purpose, and I think one of the biggest purposes in the military is the chaplain, and uh, we have chaplains because of our foundation, and our our country was, was based on religion, and it only makes sense to have chaplains in the Army, Navy, Coast Guard, Air Force, whatever it happens to be, and the purpose that a chaplain serves in the military is incredible he or she and i guess now they have she chaplains absolutely uh, women chaplains uh, yes women chaplains and when i was there too we had female chaplains with us they were great yeah but uh you know somebody that you can always go and talk to and uh i my uh first pastor at St. Luke's Presbyterian here, I say my first when, when I moved into Dunwoody, but um, he, he had been a chaplain, and uh, Moss Robinson, I, I could just see him uh, taking it to the hilt as far as, uh, and some chaplains do and some chaplains don't, just like we were talking about dress. Uh, some mm-hmm. of them right. take that uh those two bars as as uh, meeting their combat ready, but uh, and they'll have their patent leather jump boots on and their starched uniforms that most people could barely walk in. But um, you know, it's whatever the chaplain wants to do. But I have all the respect in the world for them and the and the job that they do. So. Uh, like I said, we need to take a break here, but we're just going to take a break. Uh, I assume that you've probably been down to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. and uh, I need to go, actually. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. for shame, for shame. you got to go. Uh, uh, and, and, ta- and take my kids, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And make a day out of it, because uh, in the Floyd building where the where – the, uh, Hall of Fame is. They have a very good uh, restaurant, cafeteria style restaurant there, and you know you can start in the morning, and it takes just about a full day if you really read and go through the whole thing. And uh, it's great, folks. Uh, please, if you live in Atlanta, put it on your to-do list to go downtown. It's the Floyd Building is right across the street from the state capitol. It's easy to find, and. Uh, they're not open on uh, the weekends. They're only open uh, Monday through Friday. So make sure that uh, you're going, you know, Monday through Friday and call and check on their hours of operation and so forth. But it is just absolutely incredible. And uh, 
they'll be having an indoctrination uh, ceremony November the 7th down in uh, uh, Columbus, Georgia, is where they always have it. And uh, like Rick says, bring your own box of Kleenex. By the time you've heard some of the stories and some of the things that our veterans have gone through and then our Georgia veterans have gone through and are, are um, brought into the Hall of Fame, it's... Uh, the induction ceremony is just, from what I understand, fantastic. With that being said, though, I want to go ahead and mention where I live is Johns Creek, Georgia. And uh, a group of veterans got together. And uh, if many of you remember it, the uh, half size of the veterans wall, uh, the Vietnam Veterans Wall in Washington, D.C., they had a replica of it that was 50% size that traveled all over the United States. And uh, it went up for sale as they brought another one on. Uh, the Warren one went for sale, and uh, the Johns Creek Association, Vietnam Veterans Association, bought it and have given it a permanent home. Um, at Newtown Park in Johns Creek. And again, if you're in Atlanta and served or have friends or family that served, uh, it's called a healing wall and, and it has healed many, many people. And when I, it's brought closure and I don't know, do you know Roger Wise by chance? <laughs> Everybody knows Roger Wise. In fact, I don't know anybody that doesn't know Roger Wise, come to think of it. But anyway, uh, Roger was at the wall, and and he tells a story about a young man that looked up at him and said, Are you Roger Wise? And he said, Yes. And he said, Well, I met my father for the, the first time today. And uh, he had uh, his father, his mother was pregnant with the, the son uh, when his father went to Vietnam and uh, never saw his son and uh, didn't come back and uh, so he found his name on the wall and uh, was doing the uh, scratching on you know the imprint on the paper and stuff but uh, the nice thing too is uh, they're about to put up a kiosk at uh, at the park that will tell you you put in a name and it'll tell you where it's located so it'll be easier to find uh, your family or your friends that uh gave the ultimate sacrifice and uh it's uh it's just i know uh i had a lot of friends that were in and and some that didn't come back and when i went to uh, dc and went to the wall there it was i i don't know how to describe it it, it just there's a there's a feeling that overcomes you with uh how thankful I am, and how thankful we all should be for our veterans and the and the people that raised their hand and and volunteered to uh, protect and defend and uh, our Constitution, which I feel is the second most important document ever written, and uh, it uh, I I just I marvel at our forefathers and their their foresight and their ability to understand men's minds and uh, it's lasted this long and i hope it lasts 10 times this long so anyway so you're in the military you're an air force chaplain and uh, 
Did you have family when you were in? Uh, yes, I was married by that time. I, I've been married 25 years, not my wife, but didn't have kids as of yet. But I, I loved that time in it, and I still miss it, too. And, um, oh, you were talking about my sense of call, too. All I gave you was the blue jeans, so far, <laughs> but I'll give you a quick snippet. I was working as a hospital social worker. I had a master of social work also from University of Georgia and was considering becoming a doctor at that point. And as I told you, I was thinking about you know going in business or being a doctor. I was even taking pre-med chemistry undergrad while I was finishing my master in social work because I'm a glutton for punishment. I gather. <laughs> but I was really considering going to, um, to be a doctor. I was in a training hospital in Charleston, South Carolina, Charleston Memorial, uh, working with uh, residents and others. So I got to see you know medicine behind the scenes. And I was doing social work there, too. And so much of what I was doing in the ER and the pediatrics and even in the psychiatry unit, although we did see some good change in the psychiatry unit, though, too. But a lot of the things I did as a social worker were such Band-Aid kinds of things. And working for a county hospital, it was so hard to know how to be able to talk about God. And I felt so handcuffed in lots of ways. And my call kind of came in the stairwell. The stairwell in the hospital is a place that nobody else wants to take. They want to take the elevators, and there's, it's busy everywhere else. But the stairwell often was very quiet, and even whispers would echo. And I would just talk and have conversations with God, sometimes in between some tough cases in the stairwell, uh, going up and down. And that's where, I'd, up to that point in time, I'd had lots of people in my life to say, perhaps you should consider being a pastor, but it hadn't been internal. And that was a point in time where it really became internal as well, and I felt that sense of the Spirit calling. And, and I think it's the same heart that would have taken me into medicine as well, but I just wanted to be able to share so openly about God and, and to have that be just a, an integral part of what I, who and what I was and, and would be. And that's what I love about chaplaincy, too. I love going in in the Air Force, and as a chaplain candidate and serving under other chaplains, I could go in with an Airman Basic, for instance, who'd just gotten out of high school, was just starting out. We have our time together alone. Uh, I love the respect of all the different ranks and different things, too, but in that time, the ranks are off. I'm, I'm not an officer anymore. I'm just a chaplain with that person there. And then exactly the same thing is true for little lowly second lieutenant and the, and the base commander. You know, we go behind the scenes, and he wants to have a prayer to start the day, and he's really been struggling with some different things with family and with, with the direction for the base and what to do. And here I'm hearing all these things that would never be even whispered outside of that room. But he gives me the honor and the beauty of sharing all that, you know, to be, to be there with him as his chaplain and to pray for him and to lift him up. And then everyone in between that way. Uh, in my master in social work, I focused a lot on counseling. I did a, an internship for a year of counseling, so I, I learned all kinds of open-ended questions to ask. And do you know how many pastoral open-ended questions I asked in my three different summers as an Air Force chaplain candidate? I was at Eglin Air Force Base. I was at Pope. Um, I was at Charleston. Guess how many open-ended questions I asked? No idea. Zero. Zero. Okay. I never got to one. I would go out in the flight line, visit different different people, and start talking about their toys, you know, that they're working with. And I had a great interest, you know, in, in, in the mechanics of it and everything, just, just started talking about what they were doing. And then once I had showed an interest and we started walking through, and, and they knew, and again, some of them had never set a foot in the chapel, right? But they knew that a chaplain was there for them, and and in a confidential way, too, in a way like no one else. It was a beautiful, special thing. And after a while, I guess when they were ready, it was like a faucet just just turned on, and I would hear all about life and everything else and more than I ever thought I would want to be able to know. But holding that precious time together, what they were going through, and then praying for them. And 
and then going on and having the same thing all over again with the next person. It was an incredible experience. I wish in our society we had a sense of that too. And I would never go around and try to make anyone talk with me either. It was that, that openness. Uh, so I, I wish we had that in our society here now where you looked at pastors, you looked at our clergy, and you said, here's, here's someone who was with me and for me in this community where I can talk openly about God. And I can ask all these questions and I can ask for a prayer. I can ask for the support whenever I possibly might need as, as we cross paths. And I think that's a big part of our call, too. You know, the whole time when, when Jesus is questioned, who is my neighbor? And he talks about the Good Samaritan and these people that cross on the path. And, of course, the priests are some of the ones who cross by and keep going in that story. Um, the priests and the religious folks aren't always the, the good guys in some of Jesus' stories. And that's a good mirror for us to hold up for ourselves, too, for all of us to say, well, how are we following faithfully? But it turns out with this Samaritan who, who comes by um, and, and makes that difference by stopping and caring for the person and, and making sure they're good to go and, and providing a place to stay and all this, how is that a neighbor? It was a foreigner being a Samaritan. And we realize, I think, the, the moral of that story is the neighbor is the person whose path we cross. So it's anyone. It's not how they look. It's not how they speak. It's not where they're from. It's in life as a child of God, anyone else whose path we cross is another child of God. And I think if we looked at each other as children of God that way, here in our country today and in our world today, and if we treated each other that way, a lot of the things that are divisions and hurts and, and brokenness could have first steps of healing for us. Interesting. Uh, you know, it's... Uh like you, like you said, the military, from my standpoint, uh, I think everybody should go through the military of some some shape, form, or fashion. And I'm very proud of my, and I mention him almost, well, every show just about, and that's uh, my son that's a major in the Air Force. And uh, he loves it. He and his wife have seen the world because of, of uh, him being in the Air Force. And now they've moved back to the States, and uh, I haven't seen him any more here than I did when he was in Europe. But uh, at the same token, there's a discipline. There's a, And like I said, you'll, I'll be doing something and realize, oh, well, that's the reason that they did this to me in the Army. And, uh, you know, the Army has had a long time to... Uh, I don't want to say perfect itself, but the military has had a long time to keep getting better and better. And, and you know, there was a time that, uh, you know, doing quote-unquote social work in the military wasn't mm-hmm. accepted. But now they realize the importance of the chaplain and the importance of, uh, you know, particularly kids are away from home maybe for the first time and they don't have anybody to talk to. And they can always go and talk to the chaplain. And... Um, I, uh, the minister at uh, North Minister Presbyterian, where where I've been going to church, uh, has joined up, and I'm not sure how he has gotten in. He's a little bit old to go back to being in the reserves, but uh, they let him back in as a chaplain, and uh, uh, he had been a chaplain in the Navy many years ago, and decided he wanted to get back into uniform, and so. He's going to be splitting duty between church and uh, being a chaplain. Uh, so I 
salute him for doing that <laughs> and uh, figuratively and literally and if they would let an old person you know it's, it's very interesting too and and some of us have talked about it and some haven't uh of the veterans that have been in here and you know we've talked about the, the vietnam veterans have talked about you know many of them literally did get foxhole religion and that's when they thought there was a possibility of dying and and they pulled out their their memories of going to church and everything else and renewed their relationship with god and uh, you know it's um what I started to say is I don't think we've had a veteran in here and some of them were even older than me which is sort of amazing Mm -hmm. but uh, I don't believe one of the veterans that I've ever interviewed if asked wouldn't go back in in a heartbeat back into whatever service whether it's Navy or Air Force or Marines or whatever if they could get back in even on a, you know, and some of them have kid about, well, at least I could go back in and I can type or or whatever right. it might be. You don't have to be in great shape or uh, to type or do this or do that. And, yes, I would go back in and serve. And uh, so I, I there's, and I mention this always, is that there's no fr- bigger fraternity or sorority in the world than the military everybody's involved mm-hmm. and everybody is is there just like the chaplains you're you're working on the soul whereas somebody else is protecting your back and you're protecting somebody else's back right. and uh, it, it just it, I, I mention this from the standpoint of the grandparents or parents or even the kids that might wind up listening to the show that if they're looking for an occupation, they're looking for something to do after they graduate from college or high school or whatever, the military is an admirable and wonderful place to look. And uh, my son uh, graduated from Texas A&M, was in the Corps at A&M, and then ROTC, Air Force ROTC, and commissioned when he graduated and been in ever since. And uh, I expect him to come out with at least one star, if not a couple mm-hmm. of them. But very proud of him. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you mentioned, David, too, about your, your pastor, and you mentioned his age, too. And I, I, you know, I served in 96 to 98, so it's been a while since I've been in. But when you mentioned his age, my first things I was thinking was, hmm, maybe, maybe I can get back into even all these years later. So, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those as well. That now I have to say for my church, though, I would want to come back in in the reserves. So, if yeah. anybody listening with that, I love my call at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. I really have a sense that God has placed me there and, and placed us there together. It's a it's a beautiful and wonderful congregation, and I want to keep serving there and invite anybody to want to be a part of that to come and and and, and visit Holy Trinity too. But as far as the military, it's very tempting even to think about that as, as serving in the reserves again. So, yes, for anybody who is um, who's growing up now, and especially if you've heard different things, too, you may not have heard as many positive things. I don't think any institution that we have is a perfect institution, of course. Um, but I really uh, had a sense of camaraderie of people from various different backgrounds. You know, chaplains, too, we're a team, even those of different faiths. We understand that we have this respect and this honor for the freedom of religion here in this place, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing in our country uh, for all those to be able to safely 
practice and to have a space and a place to be able to do that. And we understood that we were different teammates, almost like the different – well, this is for me as a Christian, but we were like different parts of the same body of Christ. We had our different skill sets, our different calls. Some of us were like hands or feet of the different body of Christ, but different parts of the body. But we were all conjoined together. And uh, and so I, I loved that service. Um, if if and I, and I've loved the path as I told you, you know, ahead of time too that that I've taken in life and that God has blessed me with. So it's hard to want to change a thing looking back on it, you know, knowing that that God's been there all along. But if there's one thing I would do different, I would consider having more time in service in the Air Force and to to come back as a full chaplain doing that. So, well, you know, it's. Uh like, like I said, the military, in my opinion, has had a, a, a long time to perfect itself. And, and like you said, nothing's perfect. But at the same token, um, they keep improving themselves. Maybe that's mm-hmm. a better term. But, sure. Uh, and I <clears> – yes, I <laughs> – I I've made a lot of mistakes in my life and 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 uh quitting my service was one of them as I I I couldn't wait to get out and no more Saturdays and Sundays and all of this but then uh it took me a while to realize how much I really missed it and uh like you said the camaraderie the the friends that you make and mm-hmm. I started to ask you a minute ago when you were chaplain at the different bases that you served at, uh, have any of the folks that you met there, have you all kept up with each other? I haven't. Hmm. But um, but it was great, great experience, though. Well, you know, you just, like you said, you don't know. You never know. And it's not in our hands of what path you're going to cross mm-hmm. and whose path you're going to cross or or they'll cross in front of you or you'll cross in front of them and uh i think that's uh, again one area that uh my absolute best friend we met on the uh steps of our reception barracks in fort ord california and uh that goes back uh 50 years ago as a matter of fact and uh, we've stayed friends and talk weekly at least and uh, discuss everything but uh, you know it's 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 just a a, any of the any of the services any of the branches are fantastic opportunities to do whatever you want to do from Engineering on up and down the gambit, and uh, gives you the opportunity. If you don't have the money for college, you can get the money for college in yeah. the military. Uh, and I don't, like I said, I'm a Vietnam era, and uh, you know that was they were using real bullets, and you had friends that were dying, and that for a young 18 year old. It's hard to understand sometimes, and so uh, five years later, I went one way, and in some ways I regret it. Other ways, that was the way I was meant to go, I suppose, and uh, I accept it as that. But uh, the military, if you're thinking about it or you've got a son or daughter, please mention the military to them and take them down to the uh, Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame and let them see what real heroes are like. 
and uh, read all the stories. They're great. So, uh, we're going to be winding this up in a few minutes, but is there something particular that you'd like to tell us, Mark? Well, how much time do I have, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) You have about uh, six minutes. Six minutes, okay. Well, I wanted to share, um, if I can, I'll try to pull it in really quick, nine things, nine single words that could change the world or change our country. And um, the first is love. And when I speak of love, we have such misnomers about what it is. I'm talking about that agape kind of love, the other-centered love beyond oneself, the kind that's self-sacrificial that Jesus did, the kind that Rick White talks about, too, in John 15, 13, greater love hath no one than a man lay down his life for his friends. This is the kind of love. If we had more of that kind of love in this country now and in our world, I think incredible things could happen. The second is we look um, a lot for happiness, I think, but happiness is overrated. Happiness is always based on external stuff. I'm happy because I got this raise, or I'm happy because I got this vacation or this car. And we forget the incredible beauty of joy. My grandmother had joy so much in her life, even after she was in her third, fourth rounds of chemotherapy with brain cancer in her 80s. It eventually, she was so strong, too, the cancer eventually took away... Um, some of her strength physically even took away some of her her memory and mental capacity at the at the end but it never took away her joy nor could it and i think that that is what we need a lot more of too is that sense of joy because joy is regardless of what happens around us that's why it's so powerful it's not contingent on things like happiness is we can be happy because we have joy although and it's a powerful thing and then peace. We talk about the military, too. And I don't mean peace as in a ceasefire, you know, for military terms. I mean that true, lasting, deep peace, the kind of peace that passes all understanding. Uh, as Jesus talks about, if we have that sense of peace inside, too, you know, there are a lot of reactive people right now that are anything but at peace within themselves. So how could they be, be at peace with anyone else? Uh, peace is an incredible gift we could have. And then... You know, People are so reactive to media, too. We think about, you know, the MTV um, idea of just to have very, very short attention spans. But MTV, uh, compared to today, that was way long attention compared to where we are now. We really could use more patience. And we need more kindness. Our church is... um, um, just going in a program, too, that's called the Continuing the Culture of Generosity. It's our stewardship program, and, and, and Holy Trinity has lots of things like Habitat for Humanity and most ministries and ways we reach out, and we try to be generous to give. If we had more generosity and true generosity looking beyond ourselves, and generosity not just for the kind of person that looks like us or is like us, our kind of person. We see some of that today in the world, but if we reached out to others who are really, really different from us and were generous in that Samaritan kind of way, it would be beautiful. And in faithfulness, if we had faith beyond ourselves, to we have fewer people going to church. Those who do go to church go less often, and people are putting faith in other things. They're making science almost into a religion, um, trusting things by faith instead of, I love science, and I love the scientific method, but stay with the facts for that. Don't just go with, with, with what a person says, and if they're more persuasive, just to believe them because they have a title by their name. Do the research yourself for that. Faith should be in that realm of, of for us in the, in, in the church and to have something that is beyond just yourself that you believe in. And then um, gentleness. We are really rough around the edges right now with each other. We could afford a little more gentleness. And in the end, too, self-control. 
we need more self-control, and that's essential for all the rest. And what I've told you with that really is just Galatians 5.22. In contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For such things, there is no law against these. And I think if we had even some of that, oh, and it's fruit of the Spirit, by the way. In the Greek, the word is singular. We think of it as being the different fruits of the Spirit, as if they're all these different things, but they're all connected in one. The Greek actually is fruit. So love is connected with peace, which is connected with self-control. And how could you truly, really love if you don't have self-control? How can you be patient without self-control? Self-control is one of the foundational ones for all. But we hear now, you know, if you're not angry, if you're not furious, you're not listening, you're not... But if we're angry, we're simply reactive. We lost our, our focus to be able to think, our, our focus to be able to listen deeply to that still, small voice of the Spirit. I don't think that's what we're called to be. So I think even if we reached out and prayed to God for just even some portions of this fruit of the Spirit, I think we literally could change our nation and world. And, and I, I, do, I do think we have a wonderful nation. But we are, as you have said too, it's a, it's a really tenuous time. It's a, it's a threatening time for, for where we will go going forward. And I really hope that God will be in the midst of this because I think that God is our, our glue that brings us all together as children of God from all backgrounds, no matter who we are. And I think the fruit of the Spirit um, is a path for us to be able to do incredible things. And for me, I think the future is really, really bright if we're looking at that. So that's my quick preaching for us today. It's the fruit of the Spirit, <laughs> Galatians 5.22. Yeah, and you know, there. Uh, I, I guess what you said about uh, no greater love hath man than to lay down his life for his friends, and uh, followed by I choose you as my friend, uh, and this is the thing that uh, you really do learn in the military is. Uh, quote unquote who your friends are and, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it, I just I can't say enough about it and invite everybody to come out to the healing wall in Johns Creek in Newtown Park it's open daily and or it's open 24-7 really yes the wall that heals yeah and uh and there were various other cities across the country that bid on that wall, and it was Johns Creek that got that. So thanks so much for that Veterans Association, for our president, for the others who worked so hard to help make that happen, too. And now we have um, yeah, we have a great, great place to visit that's, um, that's a good place not just for, George, for, for Johns Creek, but for George and also for our country to come to that memorial walk as well as the wall that heals. And, to, right. and it's open for anyone to come see. And it's... Uh you know, you look at the fifty thousand name, fifty-eight thousand names, I believe it is, fifty-eight plus thousand names, and um, these are the people that have made our country great, and they gave the ultimate sacrifice, and uh, you just you have to be humbled by going and walking and passing name after name after name of of those that love their country so much. Uh, and, and to me, and this is as a Christian too, it is Christ-like what they have done to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Jesus had said that knowing that he would be doing that very thing eventually on the cross. 
And those veterans who have done that have, have done that very same thing to lay down their lives for their friends. So when I see and, and think of them and remember them, I'm thinking of Christ-like children of God and their sacrifice. Well, Mark, I want to uh, thank you for coming over. And uh, if a person wants to get a hold of you, your website, is that the easiest way? Sure, to that would be great. And thank you so much again, David, for having me. It's HolyTrinityMarietta.org is our website. We're on 2922 Sandy Plains Road in Marietta. And I love our congregation. I love God and glad for anybody, any child of God, of any background to visit any time with us. And if you're a veteran, come to the Johns Creek Veterans Association. Come visit us in one of the meetings. Uh, it's a great right. group. It is a great group. And uh, Oh, okay. So you, you've been going to Johns Creek. You're the chaplain at Johns Creek. And uh, I ask all of the veterans that come in here one really tough question. So I, I okay. hope you're prepared for this. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Can you name one veteran that you know? It can tell only one story. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Every veteran has how many stories in the back pocket? A couple of hundred or who knows how many, you know. But I can ass- guarantee everybody that there are no veterans that only have one story. And if you really get in a situation of one-upsman, uh, you put about six veterans at a table and and one will start with one story, and then another one will make it a bigger fish, and the next one will make it a, even a bigger fish, and then all of a sudden you've got a whale on the table. <laughs> right. <now. laughs> but that's that's the love of being a veteran and having veterans as your friends. We had a a uh, bomber, World War II bomber pilot on the other day, and just, I mean, his stories were great. He was one of the first over, over Nazi Germany, and... Uh, Berlin, as a matter of fact, and, uh, you know, just great stories. So anybody that's listening that's uh, planning on being on the show at some point, you think about it and you find me one veteran that uh, can tell only one story, and uh, we'll have him on, too, or she on, too. And that's something else that uh, I like to point out is that uh, the women both veteran women as well as and I, I look at them as veterans too the women that stayed behind when the man or now it's even the the woman that uh, the man may stay behind while the woman goes to battle or goes into uh, the military but women have played always played mm-hmm. such a wonderful role in support of their husband's support of uh, our military in one shape, form, or fashion. Yeah, David, you know, in our memorial walk there, Johns Creek, we have one section devoted just to the women who have served in military as well. So if you come visit that. Well, with that, we're going to close it out, and uh, we'll be back next week with another veteran. And I want to thank Mark one more time, and Look forward to uh, more from America's Web Radio as we continue to expand and uh, give you more and more. We'll be back next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.